What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Caffeinated Bible Chatter. The coffee's out, it's hot, and the sword in front of us is sharp. Uh, this is Kylo Shields. I'm sitting here with Dylan Brown. Here we go. What's going on, Dylan? Man, things are going good. Uh, I want to say Kyle did tell the truth. We do have coffee out, and I want to say something. We last week, or not last week, our last episode, uh, I said I was drinking a coffee. I was drinking a Starbucks coffee, um, and that was my first cup of coffee after getting out of the hospital. And the cup I'm drinking right now is the second cup. I've been out of the hospital for like six weeks or three. I'm not really sure. Somewhere in between there, and I've only drinking two cups of coffee. So why do I say that? Well, because I love coffee and I'm addicted to it, but my taste buds for it have declined. But I just want to show our listeners how much I love you because I'm being true to our name. We are the Caffeinated Bible Chatter, and it will come with a Bible and caffeine every single time. Yes. We're true to our word. Amen. Man, that's rough. Two cups of coffee. That is rough. I used to have two cups an hour. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, things have changed. It's crazy. All right. Well, uh, last week... uh, we actually took a pretty long break from all this podcast stuff, but uh, last week we we talked about Romans chapter twelve. Uh, we just hit on those first two verses where it talks about the will of God, uh, the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Uh, if you missed that, go check it out. Uh, Dylan also gave a little bit of, of his story there when we were in Charleston, um, so that's a that's a pretty neat episode. Go check it out if you missed it. Uh, and then this week, uh, I guess going off of the will of God, we're gonna be talking a little bit about prayer tonight. Yeah, so uh, like I said, like Kyle said, I kind of mentioned, and if you did miss that, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that just to kind of explain where we've been. Um, I guess our last episode was two weeks ago. Is that right? I think so. I think yeah. so. So we have we so last week. <laughs> we skipped a while, and then we did an episode, and I kind of we tr- tried to explain why we were out for so long. Um, and then we skipped last week without any kind of heads up. So our goal is to put this out and build upon our last episode uh, with the will of God talking about prayer because they're obviously very connected. And then moving forward to get right back into, into consistency with week by week putting out episodes. Um, so yeah, like Kyle said, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that just to kind of explain. And, and if, you, if you haven't listened to that, I'm not going to repeat everything I said, but uh, I wasn't in the hospital in Charleston. The reason we were in Charleston is because we went on a family vacation. Kyle's my brother-in-law, for those who don't know. We were all um, in Myrtle Beach. And they actually, again, not going to go through everything, but they ended up sending me to Charleston uh, through a life flight situation. And I had meningitis and um, was pretty much in the hospital. I actually am forgetting things like how long everything took, took place. But I'm pretty sure I was in the hospital like three weeks. Yeah, it was a while. Yeah, so you, you were completely under for about twelve of those. Yeah, twelve days I was <laughs> unconscious, so there was no unless Kyle was going solo, there was no podcast <laughs> rocking. Yeah. So, um, but here we are, uh, and so it really was. So we, we 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 talked about the will of God last episode because I mentioned this in the last episode that one of the things that gave me comfort was when going through all the things I was going through, and once I woke up, and I had some. Some scary news before I went to the hospital that we actually thought was going to be scarier than what it was, uh, or, or a different a different type of scary. We thought I potentially had cancer. Um, I didn't, praise God. Uh, but um, in the midst of that, something that gave me peace and comfort was Romans twelve one and two, which we hit on so much last week. And Kyle, you want to go ahead and read that? We can just kind of build upon uh, that from last week. And, and it again, the will of God and prayer are. Uh, 
obviously connected. Um, if somebody says they're in the will of God and they're not spending any time in prayer, that's uh, certainly not accurate, and they're very much so connected. So we we built we started on this last week. Come on, the will of God. So go ahead and read that big cap. Yeah, Romans chapter 12, first two verses. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we talked about that last week, and we broke down, obviously, it's mentioning the will of God and how we... Uh, put ourselves or we, we allow God to put us in the, in the center of his will. And we talked about how we believe there's three wills there, uh, being one being good, one being acceptable, one being perfect. Obviously, the later in the verse, the better. And um, so, so really the question is, and when we talked about it last week, is you, what you have to do to put yourself or to allow God to put you in his will at the end of verse 2 is you have to obey verse 1 in the first part of verse 2. Okay, so verse 2 says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, so so that you may prove, the, okay, the will of God. All right, so how do you transform your mind? Well, we talked about that last week some. It's not by, you know, doing yoga and meditation and breathing exercises, right? I'm not like sitting in, my, in the corner of my room and inhaling and exhaling uh, so that my mind, you know, I'm not doing like Aaron Rodgers' time in the darkness and all this weird stuff out there these days. No, my mind is renewed, just like it talks about our inner man being renewed day by day, that is done by spending time in the mind of Christ. Because really what we need to be transformed is we need a mind transplant on a daily basis. That's why the Word of God tells us that we must die daily. Uh, Paul actually says that in 1 Corinthians 15, I believe. He's, I mean, he's the greatest Christian ever lived, and he says, I die daily. So We've got to be in the Word of God if we want to be in the center of God's will. I mean, very basic stuff. This is not anything crazy like some of the end time stuff we've been going in. This is very simple things. But if I'm not in the Word of God, my mind's not being renewed. I'm not going to prove the will of God. Okay? But verse 1 gives us kind of the other side of this. And it says that we must present our bodies a living sacrifice. Okay. So this is where prayer comes in because if you've got a better, a better answer, then send us a, an email uh, or comment something on Facebook or Instagram. If you don't follow us on those, I encourage you to do that. Um, but let us know. But I don't know how you present your body a living sacrifice to God because that's surrender. I don't know how you do that to the Lord without prayer. Because what, you, what, you're, what you're essentially doing is you're acknowledging to God, hey, Lord, this is where I'm at and this is what I want to do. God, I'm yours. I yield myself to you. That's done through prayer. I mean, it's certainly done through the Word of God and it's giving, getting in the Word of God in our actions, but it starts with prayer. It starts with, with, with us getting before the Lord. I mean, the very word present means to, to, to come before God. It means that we are, we are entering His presence, we are, we are spending time with Him, and we are allowing Him to do in us what He wants to do. And so that's through prayer, of course. So... That is why we're going into prayer, and we're eventually going to get to finishing our end time stuff. Uh, and then I'll be honest, I would I don't know that for sure we're going to jump straight into this, but I would like to eventually get into to some King James stuff, um, only because we make mention several times, if you've listened to this, that we're King James guys. And if you don't know why somebody, somebody would be a King James guy, that can be a big turnoff. And we just want to explain to you why that we are the way that we are um, from the Bible. 
And so we, we got some things that we want to get into. That's why we want to get back consistent. But we, we thought, you know what, maybe because we did a simple thing last episode, we'll do another simple thing, which by the way, there's nothing wrong with simple. I mean, prayer is one of the most powerful things. That is where the power of God is. And so we thought, you know, what we'll do is we'll talk about prayer because it joints with what we talked about uh, in the last episode. Uh, and then we'll kind of finish up in time stuff and then move on to something new, um, like I mentioned. So uh, was that me? Okay, sorry. Yeah. I thought I put okay. Um, so another reason that we thought about going into this kind of stuff, like for me personally, is because of the things that I recently went in or went through, um, prayer was a massive thing uh, in the whole situation. So I have no doubt, and I, you know, we've recently gotten back into Atlanta over the last week. Um, the last episode was from Charleston. We're back home, been, been back home for a little over a week. And, uh, and, and so we're, you know, we've gotten back to church and I, I even, I even, uh, you know, told the church that I have. Uh, I was actually overwhelmed with how many people were praying for me. And social media is obviously a big part of that and helps with that. But a lot of people really were praying. And so what it did is it was a reminder to me of how powerful prayer really is. Um, Now, I had actually been going through a a, a series on prayer with the youth group that me and my wife lead. Um, And matter of fact, the the title of of the whole series was Pray Like It Works. And my heart behind that was... I think it's so easy to get in this rut and this mindset where we act as though prayer, you know, it, it, it's almost like if we pray, it's just because we think we're supposed to and that's about it. Like, it's almost like a religious, a religious checklist thing. Like, let me, you know, let me, let me pray for three minutes in the morning or let me pray, you know, now I'll let me down to sleep before I go to bed or whatever. Um, and so that was my heart with the teens and anything that I ever preach or teach or whatever, it's always an overflow of what I'm studying for my own life. And so it was something that I was looking at for my own life. And, um, and, and then, it, it, to be honest, it's kind of brought me back a little bit to the place where I'm like, okay, I maybe need to be careful, what I, for one, what I do pray for, and then two, uh, what I preach on, because it's almost like the Lord's like, all right, well, I'm going to show, show you this uh, or allow this to be seen in your own life, how powerful prayer really is. Because... Um, in that, in my whole health situation, again, I was asleep when the, when things were crazy, but things really did get bad for a minute from what I understand. And, uh, it, it really is, uh, it was a work of the Lord that everything turned out the way that it did. Things could have gone in a lot of different directions and they didn't. And I believe a big part of that was because of, um, you know, believers lifting me up to the Lord in prayer. So that, that's given us this motivation again, to kind of build upon last episode and talk about prayer. It obviously, there's nothing that we're going to say in this episode. Like this is not going to be one that's like, you know, us breaking down the rapture, which maybe, maybe you learn something new in that. Maybe, you know, uh, or when we go back to eternity future, when we talk about that or the millennium, okay, it's not going to be that type of episode. It's a very, everybody, even non-believers know that believers pray. Everybody knows what that is. It's us talking to the Lord. It's our relationship with God. We talk to him through prayer. How does he talk to us? He talks to us through the word of God. And so, uh, there's nothing going to be like that, but again, 
where I think it's dangerous and where I've gotten to many times in my life, because if you're like me, I grew up in church, I've been around it my whole life. Uh, it was very easy, even after getting saved, many years after being saved, it's very easy for me to take this mindset. My mindset oftentimes would be, well, God's just going to do what he's going to do. Like, God has a will, and God does have providence. God, you know, he, he does, uh, his thoughts are, are above ours, his ways are above ours, all those things. But nonetheless, this is what we get from Scripture, that prayer actually does move the hand of God. It actually works. Like, it actually does something. There's actually effectiveness to it. Um, and so, Kyle, I don't know if you want, if you want to grab um, James 5, uh, I think it's 15. I should have written that down. Uh, and this is actually the verse um, that we used. And it's a very common verse. When you talk about prayer, everybody uses it. And for obvious reasons, it's powerful. It says it lets us know the power of prayer and how effective prayer is. Um, but this is the verse that we use for the series that we did with our, with our teens at our church, um, letting them know, hey, look, there is no James 5.15. <laughs> is yeah, it James? Yeah, or, I'm in First yeah, Peter. Yeah. That's, that's my problem is I, I'm in a different book. Yeah, that's not going to work. You don't want the one that's talking about save the sick? Or? Uh, yeah, it talks about the, uh, let's see. Verse 16, read verse 16 if you would. All right, James five sixteen. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Okay, so we know where we're at. Y'all know that we're dispensationalists. If you don't know what that is, go back and look at our early episodes. So James is a tribulational book. That doesn't mean that there's not personal application. We believe there's three layers, three layers of application and devotional is how something applies to our life. We believe James is, is not an exception to that. And so there are some things you have to take into consideration because James 1.1 says, uh, it talks about being written to, it says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Greeting. Okay, this is what we know. We're not part of the 12 tribes. That's an Israel thing. And we're not scattered abroad. That will be that will be uh, definitely a thing during the tribulation for obvious reasons. Go back and listen to the tribulation episode if you have questions about that. But So that's what's going on here in James. But nonetheless, okay, let's just take a devotional application. It says pray for one another. That's a good, that's a good thing to do. And that's what people did for me, that ye may be healed. Now, some people will take this kind of stuff because they don't rightly divide and they'll say, you know, there's no need for doctors, etc. I'm thankful for doctors. They definitely helped me. God used them in my life. But nonetheless, again, I believe prayer was a part of that. Okay, pray for one another that you may be healed. But this is really where I want to zero in on. And this is what we use with the youth. And this is where everybody always quotes, but it's powerful. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. Now notice this, availeth much. Okay, it, it, it does something. It, it actually moves the... It moves the meter. It, it, it changes situations. Okay? So if, if we're, again, back to what I said, a lot of times we take the mindset, well, God's just going to do what he wants to do. Okay, if that's the case, now that's what Calvinists definitely believe, and that's what I even told uh, our youth group, is I got to the place, even as anti-Calvinism as I am, I got to the place where I almost approached my prayer life as a Calvinist. And I'm like, well, God's just going to do what he's going to do, whatever. Okay. Um, and people approach a lot of the Christian life like that. People approach evangelism like that. And what's funny is they'll say, if God wants me to lead someone to, to, to Christ, then he'll get me into that conversation without them doing any effort on their own part. But what's funny 
is we know that God wants us to preach the gospel and people will go 10, 15 years and never lead a soul to Christ. Well, I don't think that's God's will. I think that's a, a lack of effort on our part, me included. Okay, so if God's just going to do what he's going to do, then that last phrase from verse 16 is a lie. Again, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If God is like, hey, look, it's set in concrete. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Then me praying actually doesn't avail. That's a lie. That's not true. Okay, and obviously we know every word of God is pure. James 5, 16 is as real as John 3, 16. It's as real as Romans 10, 13, 10, 9, all the, all, okay, it's, it's as real as all those things. Whatever your favorite, you know, promises are in the Word of God. It's real. So, okay, so then we know, obviously, prayer moves the hand of God. Um, one thing I would, I would, uh, I would make mention of, and Kyle, I don't know if you want to go here, Exodus chapter 32, is we actually have an Old Testament reference, an Old Testament example, where, uh, Moses actually changes God's mind through prayer. Now, um, prayer would not avail if we could not change God's mind. Now, let me say this. We will never change God's mind about, about some things. We will never change his mind about his word. We will never change his mind about sin. Anything like that, we don't have the ability. God is who God is. He's holy. He's just. We will not change his mind about that. But circumstances, things that, again, maybe even my circumstance, I don't know. I'll only know in eternity, but maybe the prayers of saints uh, moved the meter, got God working uh, on my behalf, and, and brought healing into my life and my health situation. So we find this in Exodus chapter 32. Uh, read, let's see. Verse 11. 10 and 11. Maybe read verse 9 through 14. Let's kind of get the whole deal here. Okay. Uh, chapter 32. And yep. this is right after them making the golden calf with Aaron and all yep. that. Yep. Uh, verse 9. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people? which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. 11? You may read one more. Uh, that was 11. Yeah, read through verse 14 if you will. Oh, 14. Uh, verse 12. Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out, to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou sworest, by thine own self, and saidest unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Okay, so so essentially what's happening here, like Kyle said, is uh, they make the golden calf while you know Moses is doing the whole deal, Ten Commandments, all that. They make this, and God's ticked off for obvious reasons. I mean, what's the, what's the first commandment? Have no other gods before before the Lord. And here they are, you know, they're worshiping something they created. It's, it's, a big old, it's a big old situation, okay? What's interesting in this, though, is that God is literally saying, hey, I'm done with these cats. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wipe them out, okay? Now, uh, somehow, I don't know how that would have worked. God would have to have, you know, still, he promised Abraham a nation, 
that nation will be Israel, etc. He would have had to find a way to do that. But nonetheless, if we believe that every word of God is pure, I want you to notice again verse 14. Okay, Moses, or verse 11 says, and Moses besought the Lord his God. So what's he doing? He's coming to God in prayer. Okay, he gives them some basic things there of, of why he thinks God should not do that. One of the things he does is he's, he's coming to God in prayer on the basis of God's words. So he's reminding God of the things that God has said. Okay, uh, that reminds me of a quote. I, I pulled it up here while Kyle was reading that. Um, this is something Spurgeon said, because that really is where the power of prayer lies. Is us, it, It's us taking the word of God and bringing it back to the Lord, reminding him. Now, does God know what he said? Yeah, he knows what he said. But that's where the, the power in prayer lies, and we'll get. I'm going to try to get to that here in a little bit. But this is what Spurgeon said. He said, the promise is the power of prayer. Okay, the promise found in the Word of God, obviously. The promise is the power of prayer. We go to God and we say to Him, do as thou hast said, O Lord, here is thy word. We beseech thee, fulfill it. Okay, so that's what Moses does here. He goes to to the Lord and he's reminding him of some things. Some of those things are, are things that God has done and how faithful God is, but he's also reminding him of, of things that he has said. Um, but then it, notice what happens here in verse 14. It says, and the Lord repented. Okay, so what does repent mean? Repent means to change some, a change of mind, a change of heart. So God literally changes his, he literally, he's going, he, his, God's, uh, his direction is one way. And through Moses's prayer, God then says, you know what? Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this over here. Okay. And that's just one example. There's other examples in scripture. Okay. Now, again, I want to stress this. We cannot change God's mind from his word. So I can go to the Lord in prayer every day and say, God, I pray that you would take out so-and-so. That coworker that I have, he's so, God, I pray that you'd fire him. Okay, like, that, that prayer is probably not going to avail, okay? Unless God just has a reason that he needs that to happen, okay? But if I'm, if I'm praying biblically and it's a circumstantial thing, then God most certainly, again, if God can't change his mind and he has set what's going to happen and set the course of a circumstance no matter what, then again, James 5.16 is a lie. That prayer, prayer doesn't avail. If there's nothing I can do to beseech God to, to act on something, then it doesn't avail. It's just that simple. And so that is where, and we'll eventually get into Calvinism and stuff, maybe after King James stuff, I'm not sure. But that's where like Calvinism is so dumb. And we've talked about some of that before. But that's why it's so dumb. Is there's so much in Scripture that is so anti-Calvinistic uh, in that heretical doctrine. It's so anti that stuff. Uh, and prayer is just one of those things. Just one of the many. Okay? Prayer actually does make a difference. And so the motivation of that is, you know what, man? We, we, we should be praying. We should be praying. Okay? One of the things that we've said before and we we adhere to is that God's volume control in scripture is repetition. So in other words, like if God wants to really make something known, he repeats himself a lot. He's going to talk about something a lot, etc. Like in the New Testament, the word believe is all over the place because salvation is through faith, by grace through faith. Okay. So 
Prayer is no different. In Scripture, I, I was looking this up before we did this. In Scripture, prayer is mentioned, the word prayer is mentioned 114 times. The word praying is mentioned 20 times. And the word prayed, past tense, normally talking about a, a Bible character that prayed for something and they're referencing that, is mentioned 65 times. Now, I didn't, I didn't write down how many times pray itself is mentioned. That would be a ton more. It's like 300-something times. The only reason I didn't mention that uh, or write that down is because a lot of times pray is like they'll say, I pray thee, and they're talking to a person. They're saying like, hey, I'm asking you to do something for me. Okay, but nonetheless, pray is another is another uh, another word that has a ton of references. So my point is, man, God is continuing to make known how important this is in our life. God wants to work through it. So I've heard it said like this: the man that doesn't pray, the person that doesn't pray. If I go a day without prayer, that's equivalent to me saying to the Lord, "Hey, I I didn't need you today," because prayer is me acknowledging to the Lord, God, I need you, whatever the situation is or, or you know, whatever. Again, even presenting my body a living sacrifice. How do I do that without prayer? I can't. So the man that goes without prayer is the man that says, I got this. And so obviously the Lord wants us to pray. So a couple of references I wrote down that I think are pretty vital as we look into this too. Uh, Kyle, if you want to grab Job twenty-two twenty-seven. 27. And then I'm going to grab Psalm, 50, uh, Psalm 5, verse 3. And if you're listening and you like to follow in your Bible, Job 22, 27, and Psalm 5, 3. These are just two references uh, that, that let us know that God hears prayer. Now, you may think, well, boy, Dylan, that's super simple. Well, again, I'm just trying to stress, we're just trying to stress here the importance of prayer and that it's not a waste of time. It's not a religious thing that we just do out of, uh, you know, habit. This is something that actually matters. And so when we talk about talking to God, we're talking about talking to the Creator, the very one that died for us, but the very one that split the, the Red Sea, the very one that created everything with His words, the very one that, that knows and, and can do all. We have the ability to talk to Him, and not only do we have the ability to talk to Him, but He will actually hear us. And that really is an amazing thing. And one of the examples I always gave to the teens is... That obviously is enhanced once somebody comes to know Christ because then when someone comes to know Christ and they get saved, they now have a relationship with Jesus. And one of the examples I always gave, I'm a big sports guy, is if I called Tom Brady and I, if somehow if I got Tom's number and I left him a voicemail and I was like, yo, Tom, this is Dylan from Atlanta. Give me a shout. If he heard that voicemail, for one, he's going to be thinking, who the heck is Dylan? And I'm not calling him back. Like this, I don't, I don't know who this guy is. And the reason he wouldn't call me back and probably not even listen, if I left him a three-minute voicemail, he probably wouldn't even listen to the whole thing. The reason he wouldn't is because he doesn't know me. But once, obviously, someone comes to Christ, Christ knows them, they know Christ, and there's a relationship there, and so God hears their cry. Okay? So go ahead and read that Job reference, if you would, be Kyle. 23, 27. Thou shalt... 22, 27. Oh, 22. I'm yeah. in 22. I'm okay, in okay. 23. Uh, thou shalt make thy prayer unto him, and he shall hear thee, and thou shalt pay thy vows. Okay, very simple, but what is God doing there? Job is saying that, he's, that there's going to be prayer offered unto the Lord, and he's going to hear him. Okay, Psalm 5.3, this is a, a psalm from David. David's a man after God's own heart, as we know. He says, My voice shalt thou hear uh, in the morning, O Lord. 
in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. Okay, he's saying, hey, I'm going to pray in the morning and God, you're going to hear me. Like I'm, I, You are going to hear when I cry upon thee. And there is literally a hundred references we could hit just like that. Those are just two quick ones that I came across. So, okay, why should we pray? Well, because it works. We should pray with confidence. We should pray because we know that it, 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 we're, des- we're in desperate need of it. We can't live the Christian life on our own, but we should pray because we know he hears us. And that's why it avails much. That's why that it works. So I wrote down three questions that maybe we can answer. And I think Kyle has some things out of First uh, or Second Timothy. And we'll, uh, we'll kind of hit these things and then see where it takes us and then wrap this thing up. Probably, I don't know, may not be, it may be a shorter one like last one. We'll see. But this is the first question. Uh, well, actually, this first question we already answered. My first question I wrote down was, why should we pray? Well, my, the, the reference I have written down is James 5.16. I got ahead of myself. But because it works, okay, it avails much. Okay, and like we, like we talked about with, with Moses, he changed God's mind. It actually moved the meter. Because at the end of the day, if it doesn't move the meter, then it is just religion. It is just a waste of time. Um, and so we know that that's not the case. Okay, secondly, this is the second question I wrote down. What does prayer produce? Okay, so obviously we should, so why should we pray? Well, we should pray because God told us to. First Thessalonians, oh man, I think it's 5, 16. It's 5 something. He says pray without ceasing. So God wants us to pray. God commands us to pray. So that's one, right? we need to be obedient for one. But let's just get real practical here. We should also pray because it is effective. But so what does that actually produce in our life? So there actually is personal benefits to prayer. We're not just doing it just to be obedient, but God actually does things in and through us as we submit ourselves to him in prayer. And so Kyle, if you want to go to uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, this is very, from what I understand, I heard somebody say this, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, very important verses to me. But some, uh, someone once said that recently these are the most Googled. This is the most Googled passage in the world. Don't know if that's true, but I believe it would be. Um, let's go ahead and read that. That'd be cow. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Okay, so... What does prayer in that verse, what does prayer produce? Well, it produces peace. Okay, so he's saying be careful for nothing. Uh, he's saying there's a certain way we ought to pray, you know, etc. But nonetheless, prayer is the main ingredient in that thing in verse 6. And the, the result in verse 7 is that God, through Christ, his peace is given to that person. Okay, so, so prayer gives that. All right? I actually believe, I heard a guy preach it recently, but I actually believe 1 Thessalonians gives the same, the same uh, equation or the same, the same list, uh, and, and it talks about pray without ceasing. I believe prayer is a massive, massive, massive antidote for anxiety, and everybody today has anxiety, it seems like. Um, I believe it's a, ma- a massive thing for that, and obviously it is based on Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Okay, but so nonetheless, prayer brings peace, Okay. What's another thing uh, that prayer produces in our life? And, and Cal, if you want to go to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I'm going to read Luke 18, 1. So prayer not only produces peace in our lives, and there's a lot of things we could talk about that prayer produces. These are just quick bullet points that we're just kind of hitting in this episode. 
Um, but prayer produces peace, but prayer also produces strength. So this is what Christ told his disciples in verse Luke 18, 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end. So this is, so this is where the parable resulted in. This is what he, the, the thing he was trying to, trying to uh, hit home to him. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray. That sounds a lot like pray without ceasing. But then this is why, at the end of verse 1. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Okay, so why is that a big deal? Well, what is fainting? Fainting is weakness. Okay, and, and, and I don't think Jesus is talking about low blood sugar here. Okay, I think he's talking about uh, the, their walk, their, their Christian walk. Okay, he's saying, hey, if you don't want to faint, if you don't want to be the, a casualty, uh, one of those soldiers that is in the fight, that then for whatever reason gets out of the fight, which by the way happens in droves these days because we're in the end times. If you don't want to be that person, you know what you need to do? You need, always to be, you need to always be praying. You need to have a prayer life. You need to have a real uh, intimate time in prayer with God on a daily basis, okay? And that, I don't have this written down, but I want to go here real quick. That reminds me, that whole word faint reminds me of what Jesus talks, or what, uh, what the Lord talks about in Galatians 6 with the whole thing of reaping and sowing. So we know the, the, the law of reaping and sowing. We're going to uh, reap what we sow. It's based off farming. What we, uh, what we sow in our lives, the things that we plant in our lives, that's going, we're going to reap that. Okay? If you, if you uh, sow apple seeds, you're going to grow and reap apples, right? Okay, same thing is true in our lives. So, so Galatians 6, 7 says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Very common verse. Verse 8. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Notice verse 9 here. This is powerful. And let us not be weary. By the way, that's a synonym for being faint. And let us not be weary in well-doing. Okay? So, hey, don't get faint and weary and tired when serving God. And this is why. For in due season we shall reap. But then there's a comma. And he says, if we faint not. So one of the one of the scariest things or one of the most disappointing things has to be for somebody to invest their lives in spiritual things and then faint and actually lose rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. Because by the way, that can happen. Second John or second John or third John talks about that. But we can actually lose rewards. We can gain them from, from serving the Lord and humility and doing the right things. But if if we are one of those casualties that does faint, man, those things can can actually dissipate and no longer be a reality as we go into eternity. So again, what does Jesus say the prescription is to, to fainting? Again, not a, not a physical fainting, but a, a spiritual fainting. Man, it, it's, it's consistent prayer. And so I wonder, you know, we, we talk about passages like uh, 1 Timothy 4, I think it's 1 Timothy 4, but how people are going to, you know, go away from sound doctrine, right? And then I think about Demas in Scripture. You ought to look him up, D-E-M-A-S. He's one that was with Paul on his missionary journeys, but then at the end of Paul's life in 2 Timothy 4, he says, Demas, Demas hath forsaken me, 
having loved this present world. I just wonder, there's no doubt about it, Demas fainted. Demas got to the place where he's like, I'm wore out. Man, I just don't know if it's worth it anymore. He got to that place, and I don't know. I'm just going off of what Scripture says and where we get strength, but maybe it's because Demas stopped getting intimate with the Lord in prayer. It could have been. And so I've actually found in my own life that because one of the things that I have to guard myself against is I don't, because I love the Word of God. Matter of fact, in my own Christian life, the Word of God is what came first. I got super fired up about God's Word way before I got fired up about prayer. Matter of fact, I'm just being honest. Like, if you were to say, hey, spend an hour in the Word of God or spend an hour in prayer, I'm picking an hour in the Word of God, nine or 10 out of 10 times. Because I mean, like, you spend about 10 solid minutes in prayer, especially if you're not used to it, and you're like, all right, what else should I say? I mean, you, you, know, you, start, you start getting thin. Let's just be honest, especially in Laodicea. And so the Word of God came first in my life, but this is what I found in my life now as God has been working in my, my life you know, through prayer really over the last 18 months. I have found that when I am super into the Word of God, but I could care less about prayer, that I'm getting too knowledge-based rather than, than full surrender to the Lord. Because what does knowledge do without virtue, without applying the knowledge? It puffs up. And so that's always a litmus test for me, man, that if I'm real fired up, again, you should be fired up by the Word of God. Don't take that as, as saying you shouldn't be fired up about God's Word. You should. And by the way, you shouldn't be fired up about prayer and not be fired up about God's Word either. But if I'm not balanced, I have found that, man, oftentimes it's because I'm getting kind of in that mode of I want to you know, win a debate or I want to be super smart or whatever, and nothing wrong with those things. But again, prayer is such a key and vital thing in our walk with Christ. Okay, so so what is it? What is prayer? That's, we're asking the question, what does prayer produce? Well, it produces peace, as Kyle read in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It produces strength, as found in Luke 18, 1. And very common reference here we're about to go to, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Many, this is many people's life, verse, life verses. But it produces direction. It is how God one of the, ma- the, the major ways that God directs our steps. And so go ahead and read uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 if you would. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. All right, so how do you trust the Lord without talking to him in prayer? How do you not lean? How do you, when I don't pray, it's because I found myself leaning to my own way and my own understanding. Because again, the man that doesn't pray is the man that says, I got it figured out. Okay, and then obviously verse six, in all thy ways acknowledge him. How do I acknowledge the Lord without prayer? It's impossible. And what's the promise there? He shall direct thy paths. Now again, there is, a, there is many other things that prayer produces in our life, many other things. But these are just quick things that we can, we can hit and talk about just to show the importance and uh, how needful we are for prayer, Okay. And then the third question that I wrote down is this. What causes prayer to be ineffective? Because let's just be honest. We don't get everything we pray for. Okay, God's not a genie in a bottle. Uh, and that is oftentimes the way people approach prayer. So I said that I, I got more into the Word of God than I did prayer early on when I started getting more serious about my walk with Christ. Well, if somebody's on the other side of the coin and they're all about prayer but could care less about the Word of God, normally 
That's because they take the genie in a bottle approach to Christ. And they're like, Lord, gimme, gimme, gimme. That's what their prayer life consists of. Okay? So we know that there's been, if you're like me, there's been things I've prayed for that didn't happen. Now, I believe God always answers prayer. There's three answers to prayer. There's yes, there's no, and there's wait. And oftentimes, wait is the hardest answer. But nonetheless, God always answers prayer. And if you want to be a if you want this study to be a blessing for you, I should I should have put some references in there. But you ought to do a study. And if you don't have a, a way to, you need to download eSword. This is just practical stuff. You need to download eSword, and you need to do a study on the words uh, prayer and answered, and just just run the references on how God consistently, and in the Psalms is a great place to see this, but how God consistently is answering prayer. Because he does. Again, that's what we started off the, the podcast, the episode with, was that God hears, and then he answers, and then it moves the needle. It actually works. Okay, but, but like I said, not we don't always seem to get the answers we're looking for in prayer. So what is it that sometimes causes prayer to, to be ineffective? And I, I just have a few bullet points here. And again, there's probably more things you could come up with and praise the Lord. Okay, but these are just some quick things that we can guard ourselves against to make sure that, because if prayer really is that powerful, man, I don't, want to, I don't want these things to be true in my life so that it hinders where the power of God lies. I don't want that to be the case in my life. Okay, so the first thing I have written down here is what, what causes prayer to be ineffective? Well, unrepentant sin. So Kyle, if you want to go to Psalm 66, 18, and I'm going to go to Isaiah 59, 2. So if you're, if you're listening to this and you want to follow Psalm 66, 18 and Isaiah 59, 2. I actually have that written down here. I okay. Wrote, I wrote beside it, secret sin. Pray, hey, <laughs> that'll preach. Even. You may go ahead and read it? Yeah, go ahead. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Okay. So what is iniquity? That's sin. So I think that's David... Uh, it actually doesn't say it in Psalm, or I'm in Isaiah 59. I think that's David. Okay, so let's say it is. David's saying, hey, if I just let that sin just linger around. Again, we're not talking about just, you know, we, we, we all sin. We probably all sin on a daily basis or at least a pretty consistent basis. We, we need to get that right with the Lord, whatever. Okay, we're still in the flesh. We have a flesh we got to deal with. But we're talking about regarding it in our heart. We're allowing that sin. It's unrepentant. It's lingering in our life. It's that besetting sin that we don't deal with and we don't take to the throne of, of the Lord. Okay? Well, man, it says the Lord will not hear him. Now, what somebody could say is that this is in the Old Testament. Okay? Now, I'm going to give you some other bullet points that would correspond with this unrepentant sin that is in the New Testament. So that, I think that disapproves of that, that logic. But another Old Testament reference is Isaiah 59.2. And it says, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and, uh, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So that is why 1 John 1, 9 is in our Bible. That is why 2 Corinthians 7, 1 is in our Bible. 2 Corinthians 7, 1 talks about repentance of sin. Like we got to get to the place where we're not only confessing it in 1 John 1, 9, but we're repenting of it. Like we actually have the heart and we say we're I don't, I, don't, I don't want this in my life. Like I, I, I want this to be in the rearview mirror. Help me with that. But 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So 
that's in there for a reason. Why is that? Because we got to deal with these things. So we don't, we know in the New Testament, we cannot lose our salvation. So that the reference I just read talks about being separated from the Lord. We cannot, we cannot lose our salvation. Once we're saved, we're always saved, but our fellowship can be hindered. And by the way, what is prayer? It's fellowship. And so that certainly can be a thing. And we don't want that to be the case. So man, there's besetting sin in our life. You know what? If we want, if we want the power of God in prayer, you know what? Man, we need to deal with that. We need to lay it on the carpet. We need to have a repentant heart. Be humble about that thing. And but by the way, the uh, God constantly talks in the Word of God about how He exalts the humble. He exalts those that lower themselves to the Lord. Well, you know what? A besetting sin that's 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 staying in someone's heart and not dealt with. That's that's pride. That's not someone saying, you know what, this is wrong, I need to deal with it. And so God's not going to honor that. That that type of person is not going to have a powerful prayer life. Again, I'll draw your attention back to James 5.16. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, that has to do with a saved person because we get God's imputed righteousness, Right? But let's just be honest, we're called to be holy. There's some, there's some personal application to that as a Christian too. As the verses we just read. I can't be out living like the devil and then think I'm going to come to God in prayer and, he's, and mountains are going to be moved. It just don't happen. So that's something that we have to be, weird, we have to, uh, be alert of. Okay, so unrepentant sin. That can be something that causes ineffective prayer. Another thing I have written down here, and Kyle, if you want to go to 1 Peter 3, 7, this may be seem, seems like it's off the grid, but this is my New Testament example of the unrepentant sin thing, but it is slightly, a slightly different wording and a different way it presents it. And that is if there is a husband that is disobedient to the Lord, specifically a husband that is not treating his wife right. Okay, so we know from Scripture that a, a husband is the leader of the household. He has to treat his wife right. He's got to, uh, to, he's got to love her as Christ loves the church, all those different things. Okay, if a husband's not doing that, then according to 1 Peter 3, 7, it affects his prayer life. So go ahead and read that, Big Cat. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with, wow, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Notice that last phrase. That's, that's amazing. That your prayers be not hindered. So again, we got to let the Word of God be the guide here. we got to let the Word of God say what it says and not fit it into our box to, to say what we want it to say. So if I'm not, I'm married, if I'm not dwelling with my, life, my wife, if I'm not honoring her, and let's just be honest, we can do a study on that in the Word of God, but we, we, know, we know what the Lord's getting at here. If those things are not true in my marriage, you know what happens? Then my prayer life can be hindered. Doesn't mean that I don't pray, but... <laughs> The old, you know, I joke with people about this all the time, but you know, that's when those type of prayers, they get caught up in the ceiling tiles. They don't go anywhere. The Lord's like, hey, you got some business you need to deal with where you're going to come and beseech me on that. You need to be right with your wife. You need to be right with your spouse. Okay, and really, that, that equation is true with any relationship. Matthew, I think it's Matthew 6 talks about having an ought with your brother. Man, if you got an ought with your brother, I think it's Matthew 6. If you got an ought with your brother, Man, that thing needs to be dealt with before we're going to expect to see God's power through prayer. It's got to be dealt with. So the relationships in our life, if they're not handled biblically, 
can actually result in, uneff- in, 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 in ineffective prayer in our own lives. And that's, I mean, that's a very sobering reality. All right, the third thing I have listed here, this seems pretty uh, self-explanatory, but nonetheless, there's a reference for it, so we're going to go there. Uh, a cause for, inter- for ineffective prayer is a lack of prayer, okay? Asking not. Uh, and so Kyle, if you want to go to James 4.2, and I'm actually going to read the following verse here in a second. James, we're going to hit a reference to James 4.2 and then eventually James 4.3. Both of these are very crucial, though, for uh, this little short study. Uh, yeah, James, go ahead. James 4.2. Yeah. yeah. Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. And that's really, again, that's super simple. Uh, and again, that goes back to where we started this episode, how I was honest with you and said that sometimes my prayer life has been weak because I have this mindset, well, God's just going to do what he's going to do, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, but again, man, if, if that results in me not coming before the Lord on something, then that obviously is not going to result in God moving in my life through prayer. Very simple. What, is, what does he say there? Ye have not because ye ask not. So again, is there something in our lives that we need to take to the throne, to the throne of grace that we don't? Because we think, you know what, man, I'll figure it out on my own. And we, may, we would maybe never say that verbally, but that's the way we approach our prayer life. You know, there's something crucial in my life. I haven't given it to the Lord in prayer. Why? Well, either I just don't believe in the power of prayer or I think I can figure it out. And I have not because I ask not. Because that's a, that's a very simple thing. But that, nonetheless, that especially in Laodicea, that is a thing that leads to ineffective prayer. Okay, another bullet point I have listed here is that we ask amiss. And that's the very next, the very next verse here in James 4. But asking amiss leads to ineffective prayer. So verse 3 says, or the end of verse 2 says, because ye ask not, ye have not because ye ask not. But then he kind of changes a little bit in verse 3. He says, ye ask, and receive not. I would say that's ineffective prayer, right? We're actually, this person's actually asking. This person's actually beseeking, or beseeching and, and coming to the Lord. He says, ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss. Now, what does that mean? Well, he kind of explains that at the end of the verse. That ye may consume it upon your own lusts. Okay, there's the genie in the bottle mindset right there. Many times our prayer lives don't avail as James 5 says that it should because the heart behind the prayer has nothing to do with the glory of God. It has nothing to do with the mission that he's called us to. It has nothing to do with his word. It has nothing to do with eternal things. It has to do with personal, uh, personal lusts. It has some more to do with how I can personally gain from it. Now, does God want us to cast all our care upon him? Yeah, that's 1 Peter 5, 7. That's a Bible, that's a Bible reference. But if, if I find myself at the place... Where all, where majority of my prayer life involves, hey God, this is what I need from you from me. Man, that's asking a miss. And according to verse 3, James 4, 3, that is why people oftentimes don't receive. And so I got to be careful of that. One thing that's really interesting is if you were to do a study on Paul's prayer life, Paul talks about prayer Many, most of the time he's talking about prayer, he's talking about praying for the churches that he's planted and invested in his life in. He's talking about praying for saints, okay? But then he also uses this phrase of an open door. He's always praying for open doors. Now, this is the way a lot of Laodiceans interpret that. Oh, God, I need that big, that, that big promotion. 
God, I need an open door for that big promotion. And by the way, you ought to pray for those kind of things. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's, again, that's majority of their prayer life, not the minority. Oh, God, I need this. God, oh, Lord. You know, and they'll say stuff like, oh, well, the devil's fighting me. Oh, well, the devil's fighting me. I thought I was going to get that big paycheck. Well, the devil's fighting me. The devil don't care about that stuff. Okay? He doesn't. He cares about eternal things. He just cares about it in the opposite end of the spectrum. And so, uh, that, that, that's the, so when Paul talks about praying for open doors, you ought to do this study. Again, go download that app I said and, and do a word study on this. When Paul's talking about open doors, he's talking about an opportunity, an open door to share the gospel. So why do I say all that? Because what dominated Paul's prayer life was eternal things. And what's eternal? The word of God and the souls of men. Okay, is that what my prayer life is, is, is the majority of? Is that what consumes most of your prayer life? And, and when that's not the case, that's asking amiss oftentimes. Now, we ought to pray about everything. Philippians 4 says that. 1 Peter 5, 7 says that. There's nothing we shouldn't pray about. If we can think about it, if we can worry about it, if it can consume our mind, we ought to lift it up in prayer. We ought to pray for the sick. We ought, we ought to do those things. But if we never find ourselves praying for eternal things, man, there, there's something about that that is saying, man, we're just looking for God to fix our needs right then and there. And that's all we care about. And that's certainly not uh, the only purpose of prayer. Yeah, that made me think of. Sorry to interrupt. No, you're okay. good. Go ahead. Uh, it made me think of. <laughs> yeah, uh, it made me think of Joshua chapter five verse fourteen. Uh, I'll just read the verse real quick. And he said, "Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come." And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship, and said unto him, "What saith the Lord unto his servant?" Uh, and we were just talking about asking a miss that we consume it upon our own lust. Well, th- this is how our prayer should be, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when he noticed he was in the presence of the, the captain of the host of the Lord, what did he do? He fell on his face, and what's the first thing he said? What saith my Lord unto his servant? What do you want me to do? What should I be doing? Right? It's not just me, 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 I, 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 I need this, I need that. It's what do you, what do you want, Lord? And that goes, I think, back to that Romans chapter 12. Absolutely, right? yes. A uh, living sacrifice, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I'm actually glad that Kyle, that's a, that's a great reference. And I'm actually glad that Kyle did interrupt me. I've actually told him off the, off the, uh, I almost said off the camera, off the mic, that he needs to do that more. And I, I, I think y'all are glad he did that too, because I can get very wordy and get rolling. So, but that's true. I mean, that really is the deal. You're not, okay, if my prayer life is all about what God can give me here and now in the temporal, that's not me presenting my body as a living sacrifice. Okay, that's the kind of stuff that Paul was giving himself to. Get yielding himself in full surrender through prayer. And that's where, if that's never part of the agenda, then man, that leads to ineffective prayer. It just does. Okay? So that kind of leads us into this, this next point I wrote down. And that is, okay, again, we're talking about things that lead to ineffective, to ineffective prayer. That is prayer without abiding in Christ. Okay? So, Big Cow, if you want to go to, we'll both go there, but John chapter 15. John chapter 15. So prayer without abiding. Okay, what does it mean to abide? Well, John 14 gives us the, doc, the doctrinal purpose, uh, the doctrinal side of abiding, and that is he says he's going to send the comforter. This is before he dies on the cross. And he says, hey, I'm going to send the comforter. He's going to teach you all things. He's going to remind you of the things I've told you. That's what the Spirit of God does in our lives. He reminds us of Scripture when we need it. He, he, he leads and guides us. He comforts us, all those things. Okay, well... Uh, excuse me, uh, in John 15, okay, that's the doctrinal side. So 
once you get saved, there's nothing you can do to keep the Holy Spirit, and there's nothing you can do to make the Holy Spirit come into you. Like you did, you know, you get saved, you trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation, the Spirit of God as the down payment, as the earnest of our inheritance, as Ephesians 1, 13 talks about, that becomes a reality in our life. But then in the next chapter, John 15, he gives us more of a devotional, practical application in this whole thing of abiding. And so abiding in this sense means to dwell, just like we're to dwell with our wives, our spouses and stuff like that. It means to dwell and to rest in Christ. So if somebody's not abiding in Christ, what we're saying is they're not getting intimate and alone with, with the Lord. No quiet time, no time in the Word of God, no time in prayer, like we talked about earlier. That person is not abiding the John 15 abiding thing that he's referencing here. Now, a very popular verse in all of this is uh, verse 5, John 15, 5. He says, he, he tells us why this is so important because without abiding, you know what we can't do? We can't, there will be no fruit in our lives. He says in verse 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. So Christ is abiding in us if we've gotten saved. The, the call here, the devotional call here is that we abide in him too. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same, that person bringeth forth much fruit. For Notice this, for without me, ye can do nothing. Verse four says a similar thing. He says, abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except ye abide in the, in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. So Christ has turned up the volume here. Hey, you can't do anything in your own power. And where's the power? Man, it's, it's in the word of God and it's in prayer. It's, 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 it's sort of like that, that whole deal with uh, uh, Martha and Mary and I think it's Luke chapter 10, the end of the chapter. Where Martha's busy doing work, but what is what is Mary doing? She's getting at the feet of Jesus, and she's hearing from the words of the Lord. And what it says about that is Jesus looks at Martha when Martha's like, yo, Mary, what are you doing? Like, I'm busy over here. What, you going to help me out? Jesus says, Mary has chosen that thing that shall not be taken away. In other words, Jesus is saying, hey, if anybody's doing the stuff that matters, it's Mary. It's, uh, it's Mary. And that's a, that's a powerful passage, but that's what's going on here in John in John chapter 15. And so he's saying, man, it's just like this. If we were to go to a tree, let's say we go to an apple tree and it's, it's, bear, it's bearing apples. Okay, if we cut off the branch and we throw it over to the side, we know we're not going to expect the apples to grow on that thing because it's disconnected from the very source that gives the ability for apples to grow. Well, that's the same thing with our Christian life. And so when somebody gets to the place where they're not abiding in the Lord, which looks like prayer, but it also looks like getting at the feet of Jesus and spending time in his word, what we find is, man, it, it, it leads to ineffective prayer. And we know that because later on in the chapter, listen to what, what verse 7 says. It, it says, if ye abide in me, there it is again, and my, notice this, and my words abide in you. Okay, there's a synonym for abiding in Christ. These words he's given us need to abide in us. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will. Okay, what's that? That's prayer. Notice this. And it shall be done unto you. So this whole thing of 
of prayer is, is directly connected with praying biblically. Like we said earlier, praying the promises of God back to him is connected with praying biblically. And the only way that we're going to pray biblically like Paul did is if the words of God are abiding in us. So if I take that whole genie in the bottle mindset, and I am asking amiss, and I, boy, I got no problem loading up the shotgun and, and firing them up to the Lord and saying, Lord, I need this, 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 and this. But I never get before him in worship and get before him in his word to hear from him and to let him speak into my life and to surrender my life to him. Man, then that verse seven is not a reality in my life. That it, it, the, the very fact that it says, and it shall be done unto you, that's only to the person that abides in the Lord and allows his words to abide in him. Okay, that, that it, it makes me think of uh, a good cross-reference for that is uh, over in John 14. Big cow, if you want to go to 1 John 5. Um, but John 14 says this. Let's see. Verse, John 14, verse 13, the chapter before that, right before he talks about the comforter, it says, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, notice this, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye should, verse 14, if ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Okay, so we got a problem. Either Jesus is just giving a lousy sales pitch here that's not true, which we know that's not the case, but either he's doing that or we do a bad job of praying in Jesus' name. Now, I don't mean, because I've, I've thrown up prayers to the Lord before that I ended the prayer with in Jesus' name. Amen. Which I think that's a good thing to say. It's biblical, right? But I've done that and that prayer didn't avail. What does that whole thing of, of praying in his name? Well, it, it's, it coincides with allowing, abiding in him and allowing his words to abide in me. And then another good cross-reference for that to understand what the Lord is saying there is the, the reference Kyle has, um, 1 John 5, uh, verse 14. 514. And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Okay. So we ought to pray in confidence. That, that's what the verse is saying. But we ought to pray in confidence only if we're praying in his will. How do we know if we're praying in his will? We know if we're praying in his will, if we're praying in, ag- in agreement with the word of God. That's the key. So if I'm not abiding in the Lord, if my relationship with him is not where it's supposed to be and I'm, I'm neglecting to spend time with him, I'm not getting into the word of God and allowing the word of God to get into me, then man, those promises that he says, if you ask anything in my will, I will do it and I ought to have confidence if I'm praying in his will and then if I allow his words to abide in me, he will do it. This thing should be done unto you. Those promises cannot be a reality in my life if I'm not abiding in him and I'm not allowing his words to abide in me. And I think that's a massive, massive thing. It's been a massive thing in my life before. And I think that's a massive thing in Laodicea, in the time frame in which we live in, is because what are we? Most of us, according to Revelation 3, we're a people that has need of nothing. And so the the few times we have need, it's for a personal thing, and we throw up prayers to the Lord without abiding in Him and without getting in His Word. And you know what? That type of prayer just doesn't avail. It just doesn't. And then the last thing that I have written here, and this may seem like a a little bit of a detour or a curveball, but it's so, so crucial. 
Uh, and Kyle, if you want to go back to Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Um, but it's this right here. It's one thing that I believe that, that leads to ineffective prayer from Scripture when we find this is, is praying without, thanks, without thankfulness. An unthankful spirit leads to ineffective prayer. Now, that may seem strange, but I want you to notice this. Again, we believe, like we say so much, we've already said in this episode, we believe that every word of God is pure. And so God's little, when he throws in a little PS in a verse, like, hey, oh, by the way, do this too. He's not just doing that to fill pages and to fill space. And he's not doing that as filibuster to extend out you know, what he's trying to say. No, he's saying that for a reason. And so, actually, Kyle, I'll tell you what. Read verse 4 through verse 7. Philippians 4. Philippians 4. Yeah, 4 through through 7. All right. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Okay. So what is that? We, We already hit that verse. We're talking about how prayer produces peace. But he says we need to pray, but he says with thanksgiving. Again, that's not by accident. That's not just thrown in there just to be cute. He's not like, I, you know, Paul, just say something about thanksgiving there too. That'd be cool. No, I mean, it's for a reason. And so if, we, if we're constantly praying, by the way, that, that coincides with asking amiss because I, I find in my own life when I'm always praying with a genie in a bottle mindset, God, give me, give me, give me, give me, I'm normally not being thankful for anything. And so if I find myself oftentimes in that rut, it, my prayers become ineffective because there is no thanksgiving. And how did that passage start off? He says, again, repetition is the key. He says, rejoice evermore. Again, I say rejoice. He's saying, and he says it twice in one verse. Hey, Christian, you got to remember, rejoicing, which rejoicing is a synonym with, with thankfulness, that needs to be a part of your life. And, and if you were to keep reading that, we didn't. But verse 8 talks about thinking on the right things, which, is, which coincides with being thankful. He says, if there be any praise, think on these things. That is a key thing in our, in our prayer life. And it is a key thing to, to, to having power in prayer, to getting God actually moving on our behalf uh, through prayer. A good cross-reference for Philippians 4.6 in, in, in 4.7 is Colossians 3.15. Now, this doesn't talk about prayer, but I want you to notice this. What did prayer produce in Philippians 4, 6, and 7? It produced peace. Well, Colossians 3.15 says this, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Okay, that's a similar thing. What's going on in Philippians 4, 6, and 7? And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also you're called in one body. And then there's a semicolon. Here's the PS. Here's the end of the verse. And be ye thankful. I'll be honest with you. To me, that seems like it's, he takes a complete detour and talks about something way different at the end of verse 15 that has nothing to do with peace. But according to the Lord, it's important and they go together. Thankfulness is attached to that. You ought to really do a study on, on thankfulness and unthankfulness because what you'll find is this. The reprobate in Romans 1, you know what one of their key attributes is? Being unthankful. Now, I have a different take on reprobate than most people. I believe a saved person can be a reprobate. If you don't believe that, that's fine. I don't care. But nonetheless, uh, 
man, that is a key thing in our life. And again, it's, it's very easy for that to creep up in Laodicea because who are we? We're, we're a people that is increased with goods and has need of nothing. Like we, we're, we're, you know, we think we got it all together. Like we have no need for the world. We have no need to thank him. We, we've got this because we, you know, we're, we're, we live in America. We're, we're, we're prosperous and we're living the American dream or whatever. Okay, and so thankfulness oftentimes gets pushed to the back burner. Okay, I got one more set of references I'd like to look at with this whole thing of thankfulness and prayer that I think is crucial. Because if you want to go to Ephesians 5, so Kyle's going to go to Ephesians 5, and I'm in 1 Thessalonians 5. There's this pattern that I've found when just studying this stuff out in the past that God continues to, to, show, to, to show. Okay, so we know that we cannot lose the Holy Spirit, right? But what we do know is that we can quench the Holy Spirit. And if we quench the Spirit of God, we would definitely say that is a part of ineffective prayer because we're not surrendered to the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is not leading us in our lives. So, 1 Thessalonians 5, you're going to find this pattern in 1 Thessalonians 5 and in Ephesians 5. And what it is, again, is that prayer is surrounded by being thankful. And that when prayer is not surrounded by being thankful, it actually can lead to, to not being uh, fully yielded to the Spirit of God. So this is what uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says this, Rejoice evermore. That's awesome. Same thing that Philippians 4 said. But you know what the very next verse says? Pray without ceasing. Okay? That's the same setup that Philippians 4 gave us. But you know what the next verse says, verse 18? Back to thankfulness. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You know what the next verse says? Quench not the Spirit. I find it very interesting. For one, we, we, we talked about the will of God last week. If we want to be in the center of God's will, there's an obvious thing. Hey, we got to be thankful. But I find it very interesting that prayer and thankfulness, there once again, like Philippians 4, they're shown there jointed together and then, and then he follows that up with hey quench not the spirit it's like he's saying hey dylan hey christian one of the fastest ways to quench the spirit of god in your life is through the attitude of unthankfulness it's a very unique thing okay uh ephesians chapter five i should have written this stuff down and look i didn't look at this stuff before we got on here so if if we end up, if I end up whiffing on this reference, y'all forgive me, but I'm pretty sure it's Ephesians 5. It says a very similar thing. It talks about being filled with the Spirit, but it also talks about being about being thankful. Let's see. I'm going to go there too, because so I can look at it with you and make sure I'm in the right place. Ephesians 5. Let's see. Okay. Uh, let's start. Because read verse seventeen. Uh, read verse seventeen through verse twenty, if you would. Again, uh, Ephesians, Ephesians 5, five, seventeen through twenty. Yeah, for those right. who listen. Uh, Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Okay, there, I'm sorry, I'm gonna kind of cut them off at times. There we are talking about the will of God again. Okay. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always 
for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, if you don't have your Bible open or, or not looking at this on a phone or something, punctuation in the Word of God is very important too. Okay, verse 17 is a sentence. But then verse 18 starts a new sentence. There's a period at the end of verse 17. Verse 18 through verse 21 is one sentence. Okay, now notice how it starts. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. But what is he telling us to do? Be filled with the Spirit. So being filled with the Spirit, no, he's not telling us to let the Spirit of God be inside of us because once we got saved, that happens. There's nothing I can do to change that or to make more of that. I got all the Spirit of God at that moment. But being filled with the Spirit is talking about being yielded to Him, allowing Him to, to, to walk in us and, and walking in the Spirit, allowing Him to, make, uh, uh, to, to work through us in our lives. Okay, so he says that in verse 18. Verse 19, he talks about speaking to yourselves in psalms and spiritual hymns. Uh, that is a good, a good cross-reference for that is Colossians 3.16, which talks about letting the, Spirit of God, letting the words of God abide in us. Okay, But again, same sentence. I want you to notice this. Notice what verse 20 says. We're talking about being filled with the Spirit, right? Verse 20 says, Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, it's a really unique thing. Again, we're talking about prayer. In Romans 12.1, that's a key thing. If we're going to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, that is talking about being 100% surrendered and yielded to the Spirit of God. That's being filled with the Spirit of God. If we want that to be the case and we want our prayer life to be effective and to be powerful, man, it's so interesting that thankfulness continues over and over and over to show its head in that context. So man, I just wonder in my own life, I'm telling you, in my own life, if at times, maybe it's, 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 it's several of these things that we've, listed, that we've listed here, but man, I would hate that I have everything else in line, but unthankfulness is such a real attribute in my life that oftentimes it damages my prayer life and the effectiveness of my prayer. Man, may that not be the case. And there's more references we could have chased with that, but I think that's a really cool study you ought to do on your own, that how often thankfulness continues to show up with prayer and with being filled with the Spirit. It always does, a lot of times. And so, man, that's just an... I, I said this was going to be a short episode. We're, we're actually rocking on a full episode here. <laughs> so praise God. Prayer is a powerful thing. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but nonetheless, man, it really, it, it really is. It's powerful. It's something we need to give our lives to. But again, we need to pray the right way. We need to pray biblically. Because if we're not, it does become... A religious thing. It does become a thing that we're just trying to check the list off. And if we do anything in our Christian life with the mindset to just check the list, if we go to church, which a lot of people do this, if we go to church on Sunday mornings and to say to appease our conscience and to say, "Yeah, I checked off the list. I went to church." Man, there's no, there's nothing, there's nothing beneficial about that. If we read our Bible in the mornings, and by the way, I've been guilty of this a lot of times, just to appease our conscience to say, you know what? Ooh, okay, I'm glad I can check that off. I read my Bible. Now, I don't, I'm not always waking up, you know, at six something in the morning. I'm like, oh boy, I can't wait to get in the book today. Sometimes I just want to chill. But nonetheless, if I approach church or the word of God or prayer with the mindset that I'm just like, eh, let me just check it off. Man, there's, there's, there's no benefit in that because this is a relationship that we're saved to with Christ. And so we ought to give ourselves to prayer. It's a big deal. It's effective. It actually does things in our lives. And those things that we listed there at the end, those are things we need to guard ourselves against because it can indeed uh, damage our prayer life. So 
And if you were somebody that prayed for me uh, with all that stuff going on, I thank you for that. I praise God for that. And I pr- I'm grateful that these things were not true in all of your lives because your prayers availed. Praise the Lord. <laughs> it really did. So I thank you for that. I really do. Seriously. So, um, Big Cal, you got some things you want to add? I know you had some things in First and Second Timothy. Uh, yeah, I mean... I ain't got to say, well, we're, we're hitting an hour and 16 minutes. I'll tell you, but, uh, I hog all the time. I'm sorry, guys, because I was like, boy, we have to start my own podcast. <laughs> no, I don't have a, I, um, I'll just real quick just hit this one verse. Uh, I, well, I was originally reading in 1 Timothy chapter 2 the other day. That's what I was telling you about. But just because we were reading in Romans 12 last week, and it talked about the three wills of God. Mm-hmm. But Romans, or 1 Timothy chapter 2, you can go check it out yourself. The first verse there, it talks about three types of prayers. Uh, mm-hmm. I exhort, therefore, that first of all supplications, then you have prayers, then intercessions, and like Dylan's last point, all three of those types of prayers should be with what that last sentence says, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Yeah. So it all comes with, with giving thanks, right? But those, those three prayers are supplications, so prayers for supply, prayers, asking for things, uh, and then intercessions, interceding on someone else's behalf, which is what a lot of people did while we were in South Carolina for Dylan, right? Yes, absolutely. So I think it shows three different types of prayers there. But while I was looking at that, I ended up writing down just a couple things that produce successful uh, prayer. Um, we talked about sin hindering prayer, but uh, one of them I wrote down was obedience, right? First mm-hmm. John chapter 3, 22 says, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So obedience, right? I'm... I'm, I'm following this word, right? I'm, I'm actually have a relationship with him. I'm, I'm digging in this thing. I'm praying to him, right? Obedience. Uh, the other one I wrote down was righteousness. And we hit this verse, James 5, 16, talks about the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. Um, and then wholeheartedness. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Um, and I, I thought of that when you were reading about the vine, right? Abide yeah. in me. Right. And he said, abide in my words. Mm-hmm. Well, how do we seek him and search him? We have to abide in his words. Mm-hmm. We have to wholeheartedly get in this thing, right? And th- those are things that just produce successful prayer. Um, and I was telling the youth uh, a couple weeks ago, don't take prayer for granted, right? Like uh, I was reading Matthew twenty-seven fifty-one. It says, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. So when Christ died on the cross, the 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 veil was torn, right? So now we we have access to God's grace anytime, right? We can we can approach the throne of God boldly, right? Absolutely. Hebrews four sixteen. Yeah. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So don't take prayer for granted. It's a it's a serious thing. It's a real thing. Approaches approaches throne boldly. We can do it anytime we want. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. As you before you even got to Hebrews four, I was kind of word searching in time of need. I was going to go to Hebrews four. Yeah. I mean that that shows you the effectiveness of prayer. And the end of that verse says, "And find grace and and help in time of need." Okay. If prayer doesn't avail and it doesn't do anything, then then that's a lie. There is no finding grace and help in time of need. It's talking about approaching the throne of grace. There's there is none of that if if prayer actually doesn't work and it doesn't move God's hand in our behalf. So man, like Kyle said, prayer is a powerful thing. We ought to utilize it. Again, like if you're like me, many most of my Christian life, I would still pray, but it would be the genie in a bottle thing, like, hey God, you know, keep me safe today, whatever. Okay. <laughs> man, prayer it really is a powerful thing. And if you study many characters in scripture, Paul being one of them, like we talked about, man, 
they gave themselves desperately to prayer. A really cool thing is Martin Luther, the guy that was that did the whole 95 theses thing, um, the uh, Protestant Reformation, okay? Supposedly, at the end of his life, he got to the place, I'm not suggesting you do this, but this is just interesting. He got to the place where every morning he spent three hours in prayer. Now, that's... <laughs> That's that's cutting into some sleep. I'm gonna be honest. I'm 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 a little too way out of seeing for that, but nonetheless, that's a powerful thing. And somebody asked him one time, "How do you get things done when you spend that long in prayer?" And his reply, and this is not exactly his quote, but in my own words, his reply was, "I don't know how I could get anything done if I didn't spend that time in prayer." Mm. So at the end of the day, man, it really is powerful. It really, it really matters. It does. So, man, let's let that be true in our lives for, uh, for real. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a long one. That was uh, long. I thought it was going to be short. 20 minutes. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Maybe I had a lot stored up. You know, I feel pretty good today. And uh, He's been off the mic for a while. I've been off the mic. I, you know, I, it's a good thing we didn't talk about sin. I'd be, I'd been blasting me and everybody else. I'd tell you, I got a lot on the chest, I guess. I don't know. All right. But uh, thanks for listening. Um, I, I assume we'll get back into finishing the end times thing. Yeah, I think okay. so. Uh, we're, we're on the last, the last part of the prophetic calendar here. Hitting, the, hitting eternity. It gets real wild. Um, Buckle up. Yeah. yeah <laughs> the next one may be crazy. It but, won't be about prayer. It won't be that simple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned. If you got any questions or anything, shoot us a message on Facebook or our email. We'll be tagged in the post. Thank you.